Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Thank you. Good evening. Let me start by thanking you all for this warm welcome to Northern Ireland. To my shame, I have to admit it's my first time in this wonderful part of the United Kingdom. Now, I know many of you know and support People Internationals, Northern Ireland representative Valerie Scott, and her tireless work to tell the Christians of Northern Ireland about the challenge of Central Asia. And it's a real privilege to be with you today to share about our work on our 40th birthday. Now, when I was a little girl, I thought that being 40 would be very old. My 40th birthday was going to land in the 21st century, after all. But now, of course, we hear that 40 is the new 30, or maybe it's the new 20, I don't know. Now, a 40th birthday may be thought of as a sign that you've made it. You've got wisdom, you've got life experience. And you'll notice I'm being very careful from saying it's that you're over the hill. But I hope I've not been invited here this evening to talk to you about all that we have achieved in 40 years. Now, I am really excited about a lot of the things that we've seen happening over 40 years in mission in Central Asia. But that's the emphasis, the things that we have seen God do in Central Asia, how he is building his church and establishing his kingdom in this part of the world. And praise God that through his grace, he's chosen to do some of that through People International. He's chosen to do some of that through the many other missions in the part of the world that we partner with. And he's chosen to do some of that through the fledgling church in Central Asia itself. At a recent leadership meeting, we found ourselves continually repeating certain phrases for the local church, in line with the church's vision, helping pastors, coaching and mentoring leadership. In all of these, the church in question is the church in Central Asia. So we wondered whether perhaps we should be renaming ourselves people alongside us. And if you wonder why we've got such a nondescript name as People International, it's because we focus on a very special part of the world, Central Asia. These are the Muslim lands that are bounded by Europe on one side and China on the other, by Russia above and then India and the Middle East to the south. And they range from severely restricted access countries like Xinjiang province in China where the Uyghurs are through to places that it can be really hard to get a visa and impossible to get one as a missionary such as Iran or Baluchistan in Pakistan, through to touristic paradises like Turkey, where many of you may have come on a beach holiday. The name says who we are, people from different nations going to different nations, but it gives us a security and anonymity that we need in this part of the world. Now, you'll see in some of the slides that I've given some prayer requests, but I won't be reading them out loud because we're hoping that the audio is going to be loaded on the website and we have to be careful with some of the information. You won't see any pictures of local believers, and sometimes I'll use an imaginary name for a place, but the slides will tell you 
um, what the real location is. Now, I wonder what you think of when you think of some of the countries on the slide. How about Afghanistan? What does that conjure up? Iran. I guess that's lands of violence you'll think of. Countries that have been fought over for years. Names like Turks and Taliban, Ayatollahs and Emirs. You may think of rolling steps, fast rolling steps with an eagle hunter like this guy. But there are also newly built, futuristic, showcase capital cities, like the capital of Kazakhstan, Astana, which has just been renamed Nur Sultan after the former president. Yes, because these are the lands of the cult of the strongman, the tribal leader, the guy who rules without question. And they're as much one-party states as they used to be under communist times. Huge statues, gold and marble, outdo any of the Lenin statues or Stalin statues from when Russia used to rule here. But these are also lands of friendship, hospitality to strangers and a fierce loyalty of protection of guests. Food and drink are a really important part of the culture. Whenever I ask any of my teammates for pictures of their church or their ministry, they nearly always include pictures of people sitting around, eating food, sharing maybe a kebab at a meal table together. Now, this is a cup of Turkish tea, chai. We drink tea all of the time in Central Asia, at the bank before we get down to business, at the carpet shop, and of course, cup after cup with friends and at church when we're talking about Jesus. In Turkey, the locals like it sweet at least two lumps of sugar in this tiny little glass that's about this size. In Tajikistan, the locals actually put the sugar lump in between their teeth before they drink the tea through it. So if there's any dentist present, you'll be absolutely horrified. But no matter, because if it's a sign of wealth in Central Asia, like this lady has done, to cover up your rotten teeth with gold fillings and gold covering. Now, drinking tea together is a way of demonstrating connection. And I once estimated that across Central Asia, the 120 missionaries who work with Central Asia, we probably drink 1,000 glasses of tea a day with our local friends. So if you can drink tea, you'll fit right in. Come and join us. Now, sadly, some horrific world events of the last two decades have shaped our thinking in the West and the media and political coverage of Islamic terror, refugees, and asylum seekers can cause us to forget that there are hundreds of thousands of millions of men, women, and children in Central Asia who have the same love for their children as we do, desire to live a better life as we do, but above all, the same desperate longing for God and a need for the Savior to deal with their sin and their guilt and their shame. Don't be numbed by the media image. Let God melt your heart to see the need as he does. Here are two Central Asians who might fit the media image. They were the Boston Marathon bombers. But here's another Central Asian that I'm sure you've heard of. Malala Yousafzai, who won the Nobel Prize for Peace and spoke at the United Nations. She's Pashtun. The work of PI is not about humanistic solutions or nation-building that you hear in the media. 
Because Central Asia's deepest need is to know the transformation that only Jesus Christ can bring. And that's what People International is about, establishing and enabling the church. Now, if you're interested in unreached people groups, let me tell you. Central Asia is the world capital of unreached people groups, with nearly half a billion people who have never, ever, ever heard about the Saviour. Forget just unreached people groups. Every country we work in is an unreached country. Just look at these statistics. Now, 80 million people live in Turkey, but we only have 7,000 believers. 7,000 people who know Jesus and love and serve him like we do. So that, I did some numbers, and that would be like having 800 Christians in London, or 180 evangelicals in the whole of Northern Ireland, or just five in Bangor. So the two front rows here, there's, there's a gentleman and a lady, that's two, three people behind you, that's five. None of the rest of us are here. And there's no other churches anywhere else in Bangor. There's only these five believers. And that's the challenge of Central Asia. How do we fill all these other seats and fill the pew? What would it be like? What would it feel like to be in a, in a city the size of Bangor where there's only five believers? Do you feel the need? This is a part of the world where local believers shine brightly. But they're few in number compared with the task they ask us to come over and help them. Now, as a child, I loved those hymns that talked about the Lord being lifted up around the world, around the globe. Things, and I think the idea is best expressed in the hymn, The Day Thou Gavest, Lord, is Ended. You know, the idea that uh, the sun that bids us rest is waking our brothers in the West, and the song of praise goes round and round the globe. So as the globe turns to different parts of the world, church, God's worldwide family passes the baton of prayer and praise from brother and sisters in one time zone to those in the other. But you know, when it comes to the part of the world where Central Asia is, that crescendo of praise falls strangely quiet, but not totally silent, praise God. There are solos and beautiful melodies, but it's not the thundering roar that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords deserves. Remember those statistics. I'm sure the five of you have got absolutely gorgeous voices, but the volume of worship and the praise songs would have sounded so much different if it was just the five of you singing rather than all of us joining you in tonight, wasn't it? So Central Asia is a circle of near silence. God is still sovereign there, praise him. He reigns there, he rules there, but those he longs to call into his kingdom do not yet recognize him as Lord. I said the crescendo of praise falls strangely quiet, but not totally silent. Let me tell you about how God has been working in a place that we'll call the land of Oz. This country has amazing cities with glorious blue Islamic architecture. It's our 40th birthday, so let's look back over 40 years of what God's been doing in just one of our countries. Now, in the mid-1980s, when a Dutchman and a Welshman from People International visited the land of Oz as in-tourist travellers, to the best of our knowledge, there were less than five ethnic Oz believers in the Lord Jesus. In 2008, our Uzbek field leader wrote these words 
as the government crackdowns meant foreign workers were being expelled. We think that now there are somewhere in the region of five to 10,000 ethnic Oz believers. We were privileged to have seen the Lord build his church out of nothing, and he calls us along as spectators to see him at work. He will not give his glory to another. He did it, we witnessed it. Under the hammer of persecution and in the crucible of suffering, the Oz Church still perseveres, and we wait for the time when we shall be able to have free and open fellowship with our dear brothers and sisters again. That was 2008. The Oz Church suffered in the fire, but there is a new president now in the land of Oz who wishes to open up to the Western China. Oz is now open for business to tourists. The church is still subject to lots of regulations and pressure. But last year, People International were able to send our first workers back in to live in the capital city after nearly a decade. And because things worked out well for them, we sent another couple. And in February, we had a summer team from Australia. Yes, February is summer for Australians. And they went to the land of Oz. And next month, a team from a UK university is going to work alongside an Oz pastor who lives off the beaten track in a place, he says. Maybe you'd like to be part of a trip that we could arrange there too. Now, I could read a similar story for each country that we're working in. God at work, building his church. Whether it's the churches coming together in Turkey to run a camp for people who lost their homes in the 1999 earthquake. Whether it's ladies in Tajikistan who during their Bible study, they're doing quilting. So if the police come and raid it, they're just going to find women doing sewing rather than women studying the Bible. Whether it's Afghan believers helping to rebuild their nation through an NGO, or the Kazakh church supporting one of their members in a Christian hospital nursing in Pakistan, our brothers and sisters of the church. It's small, it's fledgling, it's suffering, but praise God it's there. So what's it like? Let me tell you a little bit about it. It's small, but it's beautiful. It's brave. With small numbers, our brothers and sisters there have their backs against the wall. But you know what? They are believers who are certain they've been saved out of darkness. They have vibrant worship as they know they have a song of salvation to sing. They want to tell others, and they want to reach their nations. But they, just like the man from Macedonia, they want help. Will you help? It's our 40th birthday, so perhaps I need to give you a little bit of history. People International was founded 40 years ago as Gardener Ministries by Ron George. Early days of PI involved overland trips in vans to the few countries in the region that were not locked away behind the Iron Curtain, Turkey, Iran, and Afghanistan. But very soon after PI started, Iran closed too as a result of the Islamic Revolution, and later in that year, Russian tanks rolled into Kabul, so we could now no longer get into Afghanistan. And so the work focused on raising awareness in the church in the West about Central Asia. And before the days of Google and Wikipedia, clandestine research trips brought back information 
and there was publications telling us in the West about exotic places that we'd never heard of, because, of course, before 9-11, nobody here could pinpoint Afghanistan on a map, could we? So there were people whose names seemed exotic and strange in these publications, the Baluchi, the Hazars, the Chechens, the Azeris, the Turks. My first contact with PI was about 30 years ago through a scan, a publication about the Turks. And all the time we were praying for the gospel to reach these people. Praying for there to be some way for us to go to them. Praying for some way for them to be free to hear. Praying for them to some way for them to be able to respond. For them to be free to meet together. And then, at the end of the decade, in 1989, in one amazing night in November, the Berlin Wall opened, didn't it? Do you remember? that time. And that started a domino effect that led to the total collapse of the Soviet Union. And all of the countries that we thought of as our countries were suddenly open to go in. The iron fist that held the people was suddenly disappeared. God was at work. And so there was a huge pivot in our work. We had to respond. After a decade of research and prayer, God had opened the door to Central Asia. Work opportunities such as teaching English became visa platforms that allowed people, international missionaries, to live in country, learn the language, and serve the unreached people, not just with their Western skills, but by sharing the gospel and working in pioneering church planting situations. Now, I remember a story from this time being told by our international director, Clive Pritchard, a two-day journey by van up the Korakoram Highway in Pakistan led him to a very, very remote village up in Gilgit in northern Pakistan. He and his guide entered the tea house, and immediately after ordering their tea, they had to dive under the tables because two locals decided to solve a fight by pulling out uh, guns and shooting each other. Upon surfacing from the table, he saw that some Coca-Cola bottles that were in somebody else's table had fallen over and the Coke was dripping on the floor. And he was very amused at this. And then suddenly he thought, hang on a minute. How come Coca-Cola has got here and we haven't got here with the gospel first? We need to go if Coca-Cola can get there. So People International missionaries got involved on the ground drinking tea and, yes, of course, drinking Coca-Cola with the locals and telling them the stories about Jesus. Where people would listen and respond, we got them to study these stories together and then to worship. And as the Great Commission isn't just to make converts but to make disciples, we taught them everything he taught us and walked with them as fellow learners. So if the 90s was the decade of establishing residential work in Central Asia and doing pioneering church planting, it was followed by a decade of discipling and training leaders in fellowship. During the decade, Eurasian Ministries, a sister charity of People International, was founded. It runs a Bible school based in the Russian Republic of Tatarstan that trains Central Asians to go back and be missionaries in their own countries themselves. Recognising there was now a church in Central Asia, we changed our purpose statement to reflect the broadening out from just being church planters ourselves to working alongside locals who are leading churches and planting churches in their own nation and now elsewhere in Central Asia too. 
our motto of planting churches became establishing and enabling the church. And that's continued in this decade with the launch of social media products, the use of the internet and satellite TV to reach people and places that were previously inaccessible, providing literature, Bible translations and other resources for the growing church in Central Asia, and helping the fledgling Central Asian church to begin to stand on its own feet, to seek God for his vision for their nation and to send out evangelists and church planters to unreached parts of their own land. A colleague um, a few days ago just sent me a WhatsApp message. He's visiting a village in the land of Oz with some Oz believers who live in a neighboring country. And he wrote, there's nothing I love more than seeing a local believer sharing the gospel with their relatives in their extended family. And now in this decade, with the refugee highway, we're seeing Afghans and Hazari and Pashto and Syrian Kurds, who it's hard to reach in their own land, fleeing war, fleeing civil war, or fleeing pressure in Iran, fleeing towards Iran and Turkey, and some going on to Europe. Iranians who accepted to Canada as asylum seekers are touched by kindness shown to them by churches there. So almost going full circle to our early roots, PIS started teams of people fluent in Turkic or Farsi languages to minister to refugees and asylum seekers in Turkey, Europe and North America. Maybe you think of church planting and the harvest as seed sowing and this sort of beautiful harvest. That's true. But in hard places around the world, you often have to do an awful lot of backbreaking work before the soil is ready to receive the seed. Now, living in a beautiful island known for its agriculture, you know a lot more about this than this city dweller who's speaking to you. But there are huge boulders to be moved out of the way. There are furrows to be ploughed, there's weeds to be pulled up, and there's fertiliser that needs to be piled in. And only then can the seed be planted. And people, international workers, missionaries, have been at work over 40 years in all of these stages of church planting. What do you do if you don't even have a seed when you get somewhere? If there's not even a Bible in the language? Well, you've got to work, first of all, on the translation project to get the word. And the, the 10 Bible took two decades to complete. Now, the team started off in 10 land. So what you do, you first of all have to find some local believers who've maybe um, come to Christ because you can share with them in Russian language, which is a trade language in this part of the world. You then have to teach them Hebrew, New Testament Greek. During this phrase, the country became more and more closed. It became very dangerous for the local translators to meet with the exegetes and the Hebrew scholars. Police brutality started. So the foreigners moved over the border so that their contact with the locals wouldn't uh, create too much danger for the locals. Eventually, the foreigners found their visas were no longer valid in this country because they were invited not to stay. And the local 10 translators started actually to have to apply for visas, permission to leave their own country to go and visit the exegetes. So they all moved to another city. The foreigners moved to another city in Central Asia that's a trading city. 
So that in order to get to a meeting, for example, to review the Psalms, the local translators would say that they were going to purchase stock for some shops. So they would go to this city, after doing their study on the Psalms and their work, they would have to purchase a few leather jackets so that they could then go home. They're brave people who risked everything for the Bible to be available to people in their own language. And the New Testament and other sections of it were made available to the church and workers as they were ready. Imagine the joy when the whole Bible was finally available in Ten Lands language in 2018. But even today, it's really hard to get that into that really closed country. So distribution is by electronic media, phones and SD cards. So we plough the fields by explaining the truth about Jesus. We water them with our tears and prayers and acts of love and kindness to our local friends, and we sow the seed of the good news. God's at work in Central Asia, despite the circumstances. He's leading you in Bangor and us in Central Asia. And here in Central Asia, I'm not just talking about the foreign missionaries, but praise God, that also includes a growing number of Central Asian Muslim background believers to be partners in the work. So how can you get involved? I'm going to use three Turkish words for heart to explain this, as I feel you're all big-hearted folks here. First of all, there's kalp. Kalp is the Turkish word. It's the medical word for heart. But it also describes a heart that sees a need. The heart that isn't heartless, the heart that cares, the heart that can be bothered. And why did I go to Turkey? Well, I'd grown up in a church, knew about Jesus all my life. At 22, I went to Turkey on a summer team, and I came back with a heart that began to care. And I said, Lord, this isn't fair that I know all about you from a tiny age, and these people have never, ever, ever heard. And he says, you're right, Marianne, it's not fair. I don't think it's fair too, but if we're going to do anything about that, you're going to have to get involved. Kalp is the heart that sees the need, is broken for the world because our God saw the need. He so loved the world that he sent his son and he asked us to be incarnational too, to go out into all the world, whether that's the streets of Bangor or the streets of Central Asia, to see the people he puts along our paths as needy for the gospel and to have enough heart to care to do something about it. Kalp is the heart that sees the need and cares Please find out more this week. You can come and visit our stand in the exhibition hall. We can tell you more about the challenge of Central Asia, half a billion people living in this circle of near silence. Google about Central Asia. Read Lonely Planet that we've just heard gives really good write-ups about our part of the world. Find out what Opworld says. Host an underground church experience in your church. Talk to us if you want to know more about that. The second word for heart is gönül. This is the heart that's willing. It'll be led. It's the heart that says, this is about you, Christ. It isn't about me. It's the heart that volunteers. It's the heart that says, yes, Lord, I'm willing. And I'm wanting you to lead me today to touch those around me. I spent five years doing summer teams. And during that period of time, I thought I could have a foot in both camps. Maybe I can keep my good job in London and just go to Turkey for summers. And we'll do that sort of bargain, Lord. But he told me clearly it wasn't just for summers. So 25 years ago, I knew he knew best, gave in and followed him to Central Asia. Gurnul is the heart that's willing. Please pray. Pray and pray. 
give to the work, not just to giving to us as foreign missionaries. There's so many projects of the local church in Central Asia that they have a vision to do, but they have zero resources because there's just five of them in a city the size of Bangor. They need us to help finance what they're looking at. And tell others, tell others who are looking and exploring about where to go in the world that you've heard about a part of the world where nobody is. The third heart that I want to tell you about is Uek. That's the heart that dares. It's the heart that's brave. It's the heart that accepts the challenge of Christ that there are these people. Literally, Uek is the brave heart, the heart that steps out of its comfort zone and lets God use it. Please come. Come and look and see. We have so many short-term opportunities to visit, to meet Central Asian churches and minister. They range from a week to a year. Send your pastors or leaders on a trip. There's nothing like seeing it for yourself. Why is it a brave heart? Do you know, there may be some here who don't want to give up their nice jobs. I thought when I went to Central Asia, I would never work in my profession again that I'd studied for those exams. I was giving it up because that's what God told me. Turkey's economy was a mess then. There was rampant inflation. But over 25 years, God has given that back to me. I've trained 50% of the local actuaries. And he's even given me the opportunity of writing the code of ethics for the whole profession. If God tells you to go and give it up, you go and give it up because he's no man's debtor and he may come and give you so much more than you could have ever imagined. Finally, the Turks have a proverb that a cup of coffee commits you to 40 years of friendship. Come and drink a cup of Turkish coffee with us in Central Asia. Come in the great adventure of seeing him at work so that here on earth that great circle of silence that Central Asia will be broken and that many brothers and sisters in Central Asia will join in the praise of the worldwide church. And that one day in heaven, there'll be many who say in Uzbek, or in Tajik, or in Dari, or in Persian, or in Turkey, or in Lesgi, or in Uyghur, or in the Talish, or in Dagestani, that Jesus Christ is Lord. For they need it, and he deserves it. Thank you. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.